0: So um, this is one of those weeks, it's kind of a transitional week uh, uh, for us here at New Covenant. So, you know, we just finished up the sermon series. We spent six weeks, actually learned a story about Joseph. And so I hope that you learned something new about that story. And so um, I've enjoyed um, learning together. And so, uh, you know, I have to do a lot of research to be able to present whatever I do each week. So I'm grateful for that. And I learned a lot. I hope you did too. And so um, this is one of those transitional weeks because next week we're going to start a brand new sermon series on the Ten Commandments. We're going to walk through the Ten Commandments. This summer, and so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, And so that's good. Well, thank you. Yay! I haven't even preached, but this is great. I love that. Okay. And so we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments, and we're going to be looking at it through the eyes of Jesus and what He had to say uh, about those things. So we're going to be breaking those down as we start that next week. So this is one of those weeks that we're going to actually. And I just felt like every once in a while, I think it's important that I preach on this text about loving our neighbor. And so um, I, I just went back and I just feel like, I really felt like God was calling me to talk a little bit about this, about this text. So um, so let me, and I'm giving it to you from the perspective from the Gospel of Luke tonight. So let me just read um, a couple of excerpts from the Gospel of Luke. This begins from the 10th chapter, beginning with the 25th verse. And, um, and then it leads into another part of the story because once again, you got the story before the story. So let me share this with you. So then a lawyer stood up to to, Jesus, to test Jesus, the Bible says. Uh, teacher, he said, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And then uh, Jesus said to him, well, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And then he answered, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And then he said to him, you have given the right answer, do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, so, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And so then Jesus takes that, and he gives us this great story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Then you fast forward into the book of of Luke, and then you go to the 11th chapter. And then we find in the 11th chapter, we find this great, well, it comes once again, the story of of Jesus sitting down with his disciples. And they ask, the disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to pray. And then Jesus gives, us, gives the disciples the Lord's Prayer. And then after the Lord's Prayer, he goes and gives us this story about the perseverance of prayer. So this is how, it's a parable. Jesus says this. He says, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, and lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answered from within, do not bother me. The door has already been clocked, locked and my children are already fast asleep in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his, pers- his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. And then Jesus goes on and says, and I think it's one of the greatest sayings of Jesus, it "says says, so say it, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For anyone who asks, receives, and for whoever searches, finds, and whoever knocks, the door will be open." Is there anyone among you, If your child asks for a fish and you give him a snake instead of a fish or if a child asks for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give through the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of God for the people, God. Thanks be to God, amen. Okay, so we're going to talk a bit about loving your neighbor tonight and teach on this text. So, the fir- I, immediately when I s- started thinking about preparing the sermon tonight, uh, I, the first jingle that came to my head was this um, like a good neighbor, state farm is there. Y'all have heard that commercial, right? Like a good neighbor, state farm is there. Okay, so you got that one. The, the second one that came to mind reminded me of this guy. Does anybody remember Fred Rogers? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Would you be mine, could you be mine? Now what's gonna happen tonight is that song is gonna be running around your head until you go to sleep. You're not gonna be able to sleep because you're gonna be singing it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And so you know what's interesting, I went back and um, uh, I, I don't know about you all, but you know, I, I don't know if you know anything about Mr. Rogers, but Mr. Rogers was an incredible human being. Uh, he uh, actually went to school uh, right down the road here at Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida, back in the early 1950s. Um, but I don't. Most of you may not know, uh, but he had a really difficult, somewhat of a difficult childhood. He was a very lonely child. He uh, lived somewhat of a life of privilege. His mother and father, his father was a, a fairly wealth, evidently a wealth, but. He was bullied as a child. He was a little bit plump and the kids made fun of him. So he became somewhat more of an introvert and he ended up going to um, spent a lot of time in his room by himself. And out of that he began to ultimately, um, what I thought was really interesting, he created a lot of imaginary friends. And his imaginary friends were all these little stuffed animals. And then he also evidently got these little puppets And so he became a very good ventriloquist. And out of his childhood, what amazing thing happened, out of what this very difficult, somewhat darker place in his life, he turned it into something very positive and eventually became the whole story of um, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood as far as that show that literally touched thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people, especially children. But it all came out of a very, somewhat very dark place for Mr. Rogers. Matter of fact, Tom Hanks actually did a movie a couple of years ago, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And I didn't realize this, but Tom Hanks was actually a sixth cousin of Mr. Rogers. He actually played him in the movie, which is an amazing thing. So then I started thinking about um, you know the whole idea about you know, uh, Mr. Rogers, and so then I went back and once again did a little detective work, and so I don't know if you realize this, but Fred Rogers actually was thinking about becoming a pastor, and um, he chose this other different route um, to be able to go and uh, become a professional um, person in, uh, on TV. Um, but I thought that I, I came up with um, this last week uh, the top 10 Mr. Rogers quotes. Ready? When I was a boy, I would see scary things in the news. My mother would say, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. All of us at some time or another need help. Whether we're giving or receiving help, each one of us has something valuable to bring to this world. That's the one thing that connects us as neighbors. In our own way, each one of us is a giver and a receiver. Number three. How sad it is that we give up on people who are just like us. Number four, there are three ways to ultimately, ultimate success. The first way is to be kind, the second way is to be kind, the third way is to be kind. The only thing evil can't stand is forgiveness. The kingdom of God is for the brokenhearted. Discovering the truth about ourselves is a lifetime's work but it's worth the effort. You can't really love someone unless you really love yourself first. There is no normal life that is free of pain. It's the very wrestling with our own problems that can be the impetus of our growth. It's really easy to fall into the trap of believing that what we do is more important than what we are. Of course, it's the opposite, that's true. What we are ultimately determines what we do. Now you don't know that Mr. Rogers, who was quite the theologian or philosopher, but there it is. So I was thinking about this this last week about you know the idea. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and I don't know about you all. But Ron you know, and I have a we have a very very nice neighborhood. We we're very you know we 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 have all kinds of neighbors. Some of our neighbors are a little bit more interesting than others. Can I get him in on that? You know, and so we have lots of uh, we have um, we've got a pretty good relationship with all our neighbors. And so you know, it's interesting because um, in my neighborhood. I'm like, I guess maybe I'm kind of like the mayor because I know just about everybody because I'm always running and people know who I am and they know that I'm a pastor. So um, uh, my friend, uh, Tony, I've gotten to know him. And I matter of fact, we gave a quilt to Tony and his family recently because he lost his grandson. He shared that with me. I have shared that story with you. So Tony stops me this last week. And he says, now, he said, now he's Roman Catholic. He says, Harold, 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 uh, I need to talk to you. So, you know, listen, here's the deal. When I'm running, a lot of times I don't like to stop. I just, because I'm training or I'm running, I don't like to have to stop. But then, you know, I don't want to be not a good neighbor. So I literally stop. And so Tony says, Harold, I've got to talk to you. He says, when is mass And I said, well, mass or church is at five o'clock on Saturday night and nine o'clock and 11 o'clock on Sunday. And he says, I want to come. And I said, that's great. I would love for you to do that. So I probably told him that 10 times. The, The other day he stopped me and asked me again. And this time he took out a piece of paper and a pen in the middle of the road on my run and wrote it down. So he finally would know exactly when to come to church. So then I got, was going around, and I got stopped by another neighbor the, on Monday morning. And so the next neighbor, his name was Wally. And he says, hey, hey Harold, I need to talk to you. So I stop again. And I, and he's, I said, Wally, what's going on? He says, I'm he says, Pastor, I've seen you out walking with this, this, this woman. And I said, okay. And he says, is that your daughter? And I said, no, that's my wife. And, and Mrs. Hendren loves Wally now because it's, you know, it's reduced her age 26 years. So this is a beautiful thing. So, so I got that conversation going on with that neighbor. So then I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, so I keep on running, so then the third time on Monday morning on my run, uh, I'm going around, and all of a sudden I see a neighbor I have never talked uh, talked to before, and he's off the street, because I, I have to literally, he waves at me, and I'm thinking, I just wave back and then he says, come over here. And so I, I'm a little annoyed because I don't wanna have to stop because then I've already been stopped twice but then I go off the deep beaten path. I'm not on my normal run and, and he, all of a sudden he stops me and he says, hey, have you seen these dogs? I lost my dogs. We lost him yesterday and I know, you, I, I know you run all over and I know you are, you're always out. Have you seen these dogs? So he hands me this piece of paper and here's the picture of the two dogs. And so, evidently, he found the one bigger dog. Matter of fact, I think I've got, and here's the other dog that's missing. So, listen, I tell you something there's the other dog. And listen, that dog is worth at least $1,000 because he's got a $1,000 reward if you find that dog. That's how desperate they are in search of their dog. And so, you know, I, I started thinking about this this last week about all my neighbors. And maybe you all, you know, you have, we all have different neighbors and some are a little bit more interesting than others. And uh, you know, what's very interesting in my life is you know, I had all kinds of different neighbors and so I I've, I've had a reflection upon my childhood and it wasn't a very positive experience. My neighbor right next door, his name was Bob uh, Bob Barton and we were at, living in the Parsage in, in, in Lakeland at the time and Bob was a cattleman. He had a great big huge uh, uh, Chevy truck. It was, it was, um, uh, one of those big industrial ones, because he would pull a huge cattle trailer, and I'm sure that my mother and father loved that cattle trailer when it would be parked right next to our house, because it was stinking to high heaven. Okay, and so Bob would—he actually went. I was probably about 13 at the time, and so Bob he says, "Hey Harold, would you be willing to wash my truck?" Now, listen, this car is, this truck is covered with mud and manure, and it's hard to clean a truck. So I, I did my best, and once again, I'm only 12 or 13, and I, I scrubbed that truck for the, and. Um, top to bottom, and I thought I did a pretty good job. So he came out to inspect my work, and he went off on me, cussing me up and down, and the reason why he was cussing me up and down, and he was telling me I did such a horrible job, and it was just horrible, and he went on and on and on. And this is rather a traumatic experience to me, because I'm only 13. I never had anybody treat me like that. Well, he was a struggling alcoholic, and he was drunk as a skunk. So I went back to my father. I'm literally in tears. And by the way, I don't think I ever got paid to wash his drug. <laughs> I love this quote about interesting neighbors. Love your neighbor, yet pull not down your hedge. <laughs> See, the interesting thing is sometimes it's not always a beautiful day in the neighborhood, is it? I mean, you know, sometimes, listen, I'm telling you in our neighborhood, sometimes the sheriffs show up. Not at our house, but at some houses. Or yesterday I'm jogging along and all of a sudden I see a paramedic at one of my neighbor's houses, right? So it's not always a beautiful day in the neighborhood. You know, I was also thinking about this last week about um, uh, different neighbors and so forth. And so my favorite neighbor was um, this guy named Kay. And let me show you a picture of Kay. And so um, there's a picture. This was actually taken about a year. It was actually Mother's Day last year. So let me just tell you a quick little story about my favorite neighbor, Kay. Um, uh, Kay uh, it was a widower. Um, he lives two houses down. He's got a little wood shop in the back. And so on the day in which I was jogging the first day back and my wife made arrangements for the whole neighborhood to come out and cheer me on as I made this little run with my children on that particular occasion. And so the neighborhood came out and cheered me on. It was so great. And so Kay came out and he handed me, well, as you saw in the picture, and I would call this on this day, K crossed me. Did you get that? In other words, he, he loved me so much that he had actually made this cross and he presented me this cross as the whole neighbor came out and he gave me a gift on that day after all that I had gone through. And so it was very powerful to, to receive that. And so um, about Three or four weeks ago, I was out here and Kay had come to our church um, and he, um, I heard him and I was in my office and I heard him talking to the um, uh, our, uh, receptionist at the time and I recognized his voice. So I came in office and said, Kay, what are you doing? He says, Harold, I came to get an upper room. I said, well, come on, Kay, I'll come with you. I know exactly where they are and I walked him over here in the narthex and I got his upper room and I handed it to him and he was so thrilled and we had a nice little talk. Two weeks ago, he died. Two weeks ago, uh, he, I, I, lost, I lost my favorite neighbor. He had, was evidently a heart condition. He went in and it just went south and um, it was just rather a tragic deal. But I got something to remember him by because I'll never forget the day he crossed me, which is a different experience from my experience with Bob who didn't cross me, but he cussed me right? Um, Don and I went out to dinner the other night uh, with a couple of friends, the Websters, and um, what I thought was very interesting, they took us on a golf cart ride in the west, on the southern part of the villages, and we went over those two great big new bridges, ooh, how exciting. We went over 44 and then went over the turnpike. And so we took our little golf cart ride and it was really, it was nice to be able to see it from a different perspective because usually we are on the turnpike and we see, you know, kind of see the people on, on those great big bridges that connect the southern part with the northern part and so we had such a great time. We went out to dinner and went on this beautiful golf cart ride and then we went back to their house. And as before we got to their house, um, uh, Keith took us through his neighborhood And I thought it was very interesting because when we were going through this neighborhood, he knew every single person in every single house on his block. And I thought it was very powerful to me because he he told me a little bit about their lives, a little bit about their stories, and I thought, how did that happen? It's because they have built this time in their lives and be able to build relationships with people because they literally know their neighborhood. And there's something about going, what's going on in their lives. And I thought it was very interesting because I thought as I was going, as they were sharing with me, each person, they told me a little bit, that I thought this is a couple who understands about crossing people. Literally being able to learn something about their lives and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. House to house, to house in a very non-threatening way. But they have learned the art of neighborhood neighboring. They have learned the art of crossing people. And that was really powerful to the point one of the last stories that Pat shared with me and I thought was rather intriguing, she said, you know, I have this one neighbor and, you know, they're, they're atheists here, but we've been working on them and we continue to love them and, you know, on, on. And she said, you know, the interesting thing the other day is that evidently she was having some kind of physical problem or her husband had some kind of physical problem. I don't remember the exact part of the story, but she said she called me up and asked me to pray for her. Do you get that? An atheist is calling up one of our church members to pray for her and her family. Crossing. How are you doing at crossing people and loving our neighbor? So I thought it was very interesting as I think about this idea, this story tonight is, it's, it's very intriguing because see, what we have here is this, this story that Jesus, well, um, is having this conversation with this lawyer and you all know the story. Um, you know, he asks him, uh, what does I need to do and inherit the, uh, eternal life? And trying to trick Jesus and Jesus gives him the standard, well, what is the, what's the law saying? He says, well, to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor. And Jesus says, well, you've, you've got it. And then trying to test him once again, he says, and try to justify him, says, well, who's my neighbor? And of course, then Jesus gives this intriguing, this, to, by the way, I think the Good Samaritan story is one of the greatest, top two greatest stories, the other one along the prodigal son story, two greatest stories ever told in human history. And Jesus told them both. So Jesus tells this story about the Good Samaritan. And then literally, uh, literally after that, and then we find this in the gospel, Luke um, teach for a second is that then Luke transitions in this time out of the loving God, loving, love your neighbor and lo- loving God and love your neighbor. And then he tells the good Samaritan story. And the next thing you know, G- Luke's got us having this conversation with his disciples talking about the Lord's prayer. And I think this is very interesting, isn't it? Because I mean, you transition out of that, this, that story into the Lord's Prayer. And so Jesus teaches him the Lord's Prayer. Now listen, the idea of uh, praying is extremely important to the Gospel, Luke. It's huge. Matter of fact, over and over again, everywhere Jesus turns, he's always talking about, once again, the idea of praying. It's, it's like these defining moments in Jesus' life. For example, the calling of his disciples in Luke 6, 12. Peter's confession, you are the son of the living God. Uh, the mountain of transfiguration, the Garden of Gethsemane, the crucifixion, at the table to, uh, with two followers on the walk to a maze. Over and over again, we find this theme that Jesus is always praying. So Luke, for Luke, this idea of prayer is, is huge. And, and so it's not only very important for, for Jesus as far as looking in our prayer life, but the notion that love for God and love for people are in, inextricably Tied together. In fact, you cannot, here's it: you cannot love God and not love people. This is the point that Jesus is trying to make. And so that Jesus does something really powerful when, he, when the idea of, when it comes to the idea of loving people and transitioning to this prayer. Jesus does something unheard of. We find this in the Gospel, of Luke, and it's actually the Lord's Prayer is actually in two different places, and, um, and we, but we also have the saying uh, in two different places. One in the Gospel of Mark and one in the Gospel of Luke. And then we have the saying, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor yourself. And it all comes from Deuteronomy in the sixth chapter. And the Jewish people continued, they were praying had to do with repetition, it would be something you do over and over and over again. Matter of fact, i got a picture of this Orthodox Jewish person by the Wailing Wall. Here, let me see if we can get this. I love that picture. Actually, I took that picture, and you see all those little pieces of paper or actual uh, prayers that people continue to do over and over again, hundreds of thousands of prayers. People from all over the world go to the holiest site for the Orthodox Jewish people, which is the Western Wall, which is the last wall that's still standing of the original temple. It's one of the holiest places in the world. I love going there. And so once again, we find the people, the Jewish people would pray in repetition over and over again. So Jesus, when he talks about praying, he says, this is the way you're supposed to pray. But we also find this This is very important about loving God and loving your neighbor transitions the idea about prayer. And so Jesus does something unheard of. It'd be like, once again, we see all these flags here. It's a Memorial Day. We have the, we have, uh, the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. Can you imagine someone changing the uh, Pledge of Allegiance? How would they, how dare you? How could you change the? Uh, you can't change the Pledge of Allegiance. Well, Jesus does something unheard of because in the Jewish tradition and Deuteronomy, they would pray the prayer, love the Lord God with all your heart soul, mind, and strength. And then Jesus adds and love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus does something completely unmind boggling by changing something. that was so historical, but then Jesus adds this part that you can't just love God, but you got to be able to love God and also love your neighbor because out of loving God flows to your neighbor for Jesus, love was not a value. Love is the very core of the person who created the universe. And according to the Gospel of John, we love because he first loved us. Can I get an amen on that? We can't give what we don't have. And so what Jesus says, listen, the idea of, uh, of loving God and loving our neighbor are so intimately woven together. And so the idea, once again, when Jesus talks to me, so we have this story about loving God, loving our neighbor, Jesus actually changes and adds the whole nether level, according to the Gospel of uh, Mark, and he adds the idea of loving our neighbor as well. It's We have loving God, but you also gotta love your neighbor. And then we have this part, once again, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. And this is a repetition, you would pray this over and over again, just like Donna led us in just a few minutes ago. It's so important. And I thought, was this, is really, and I never had noticed this this last week, but the the Lord's prayer is really basically, I would call it, we are feeding from three different bowls. And the first bowl has everything to do with what I call this daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, when we think about our daily bread, God continues to provide for us each and every day, just like he provided for the children of Israel for 40 years as they continue to wander out in the desert. So we have, give us this day our daily bread. We continue to be dependent upon Almighty God for sustenance of life. And then we have the idea about, here's the second bowl, is Forgiveness. And the idea about forgiveness has to do with our ancient tradition and, and ancient Judaism about forgiveness as one of the blessings that we would all receive at the day of salvation. And so this is a part of their historical tradition that Jesus is talking. When he gives them the prayer, you got the idea that we, God continues to provide for us, but also God continues to forgive us. And the last word is the word deliverance. Deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the one who is always threatens who we really are as Christians in our relationship with God. So we basically, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're really feeding from three different bowls about daily bread, about forgiveness and deliverance. And so Jesus goes and teaches us all this wonderful information that we have in our, the way that we pray each and every day. And then he takes, and once we go from the idea, so we go from Jesus being tested by the lawyer who asked the question about loving God and loving our neighbor, Jesus said, once again gives, gives us that. Then he goes into the Good Samaritan story. Then we have the idea about prayer. And then we have the idea, once again, what I just read to you just a few minutes ago. He gives us a parable. And the parable really is about this. The parable really has to do with the persistence of prayer. So let me just teach on this for a second. So once upon a time, Jesus tells a story and it comes right out of the Lord's Prayer, okay? So you gotta look at the story because it all goes together. And so he says, and the story really is about, it's about prayer, but it also has to do with being a good neighbor. So once upon a time, Jesus says there was a guy and in the middle of the night, he gets some unexpected guests. Now listen, you have to understand ancient tradition. In ancient tradition in the Near East, hospitality is huge. So I mean, like, all of a sudden you got unexpected guests and listen, you're supposed to provide for them. And if you didn't provide for them, you would be ultimately shamed. In other words, you know, uh, it would be a kind of reflection upon you because hospitality is so important. But if you weren't able to provide something for your guests, then you would be a loser. So Jesus tells a story. All of a sudden, a person shows up in the middle of the night, comes knocking on the door, hey, we're here. Uh, and so they so they all they're waking up and say, okay. And so they go through the cupboards because they're expecting something to eat, but there's nothing to eat. There's no daily bread. Now, we also have to understand the idea about daily bread. Back in the ancient tradition, when they would make bread, they would make it daily. And the reason why they would make it daily because it would become stale, So they didn't have these Wonder Bread back then. And they didn't have the bags that wrapped around it. There was... I don't believe plastic had been invented 3, 2,000 years ago so the bread would get stale. So traditionally, they would provide, they would make bread every single day. So they go through the cupboards as Jesus tells the story and they can't find any bread. So what's gonna look horrible upon me as this guest of these people coming in and I can't provide anything for them. So what's he do? He gets an idea. So the father household goes to the neighbor next door and begins to pound on the door as Jesus tells this parable. And so, of course, back then, if you're, the doors would normally be open all day and they didn't you know, back then that's how they would operate. But at night they would literally close their doors. And if you close your doors, that meant it was time for bed and everybody was going to sleep. And so as Jesus tells the story, he wakes up in the middle of the night, he's got these dinner guests, he's going to be embarrassed. He goes to his neighbor's house and he starts pounding on the door. And so the, 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 his, his neighbor says, hey, what's going on? And he says, I need some bread. And he says, go away, right? And so he continued to pound. And finally, the guy gets up. He has to wake his whole family up. He starts stepping over kids. He opens up the door and says, what's going on? And he says, oh, I got my friends. And they showed up in the middle of the night. I don't have anything to provide for them. Hey, do you got any bread around here? Well, let me go look. And so he goes and gets the bread, and he hands it to his neighbor, and his neighbor goes back to the house and feeds his friends. And so what's that story really all about? Jesus is saying it really, it is about the persistence of prayer, but it's not so much about we continue to pound God till we get what we want. That's not the point of the story, The point is, it really has to do with, and I love this terminology, and I've actually talked about this about a year ago, about being shamelessly persistent. Can you say it with me? Shamelessly persistent. Because see, if he didn't get anything to provide for his dinner guest in the middle of the night, he would have been shamed. So the brother next door, instead of him allowing his neighbor to be shamed, he goes to the pantry, he finds some food, he gives it to his neighbor, and the neighbor goes back and feeds his dinner guest. So the question I'm asking you all tonight is, what are you shamelessly persistent about? Think about that for a second. I, I, I came up with my own little shamelessly persistent list and for and so our lives. It's like sharing the good news with other people, inviting people to come to church Mother Teresa was shamelessly persistent in caring and loving for the poorest of the poor. John Leslie was shamelessly persistent in calling out corrupt church, the corrupt church and preaching the gospel. Martin Luther King Jr. was shamelessly persistent in calling for civil rights change. Abraham Lincoln was shamelessly persistent to end slavery. Jesus Christ was shamelessly persistent in getting that cross up to Calvary in order for him to die for you and for me. And my friends, the Websters are shamelessly persistent in crossing people. What are we shamelessly persistent about in our lives? So we look at this story and the point of this whole parable, the story is if we, if, if an unwilling householder can in the end be coerced by a friend, shamelessly persistent and given him what he ultimately needs, how much more will our heavenly father, who is a loving father supply for all his children's needs? That's the point of the story if someone who's just a neighbor can continue to provide for our needs, how much more is our heavenly father and his graciousness able to provide for you and for me and for our world? That's the point of the story. So when we look at the story and I, about the idea about being a good neighbor, we I love this uh, uh, this quote from the Interpreter's Bible. We may pray confidently, therefore, not because we trust in our own persistence, but because we know that in time of need, God even more, more tr- God is even more trustworthy than a good neighbor. And so that we got this great command that we find from Jesus in the Gospel of John, My command is this: "Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Ye- Jesus says, "You are my friends." And he was shamelessly persistent to get to the top of Calvary, to die for you and for me. What a gift. And then so we have, so let's just summarize this whole thing and we'll wrap this up. So we have the story, okay, so we have this, Jesus having this conversation with the lawyer, he's trying to trick him, he's trying to test him, and wants to know about, you know, uh, love, what, is it, what do I need to do in here to eternal life? And so, oh, well, you know, okay, um, love Lord God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor. Okay, I got that. So then, who's my neighbor? Jesus tells the Good Samaritan story. Then you got that. Then you got the whole idea was, well, a let's go to the Lord's prayer. And out of the prayer, you get this parable about what's it mean to be ultimately to be shameless, persistent, which means ultimately we are completely dependent upon Almighty God in our lives. That's the, one of the other parts of the story. The idea that we are completely continue to be dependent upon God in our lives for forgiveness and our daily bread and deliverance in our lives. Those are the three buckets that we feed from in the Lord's prayer. And then we find this, I would call, so we've got the, one, of the greatest, one of the greatest sayings that goes back to Deuteronomy 6.5. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. That's it. Jesus adds to it, love your neighbor as your, also and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Then we have this good Samaritan story, one of the greatest stories ever told. Then we, Jesus gives us the greatest prayer ever pr- prayed. He gives us that. Then he gives us this parable. And then Jesus gives us this, this saying, this this beautiful, this this nugget, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and knock, it will be opened. I love that. So what's the idea about asking, seeking, knocking, and be open? I love this. asking. Has Reflects about humility, like a plea, a begging for assistance. Uh, have you ever just cried out to God and literally just, God, I, I'm in a bad way and I need you tonight. Or the idea that we're seeking reflects wisdom or a place to stay. The kingdom of God has to do with seeking the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The idea of knocking reflects upon the hope of being received from Jesus Christ. And the idea of opening. Jesus is big on opening. Not only is Jesus big on prayer, but Jesus is big on opening. We find this in, in, in Luke 24. He says, open the eyes of the disciples. Open the scriptures to them. Open in their minds. Over and over again, Jesus is not only big on praying, but Jesus is they're going to opening people's eyes and hearts and minds. This is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what's it like to be a good neighbor? What's it like to be what shamelessly persistent? What are we shamelessly persistent about? Are we shamelessly persistent about loving our neighbors, because what Jesus teaches us, you can't just love God without loving your neighbors. It doesn't work that way. As I shared with you all last week, of the idea about forgiveness, you, how do you expect you you're you're expecting our heavenly Father to forgive you? But Jesus says, listen. If, if your Heavenly Father can't forgive you, or is not gonna, don't you realize that you, you can, if you are not allow, are not going to forgive your neighbor and forgive somebody else, how do you expect that your Heavenly Father forgive you? So the, I love this part of the story is once again the idea Jesus teaches us not only about loving God, but loving our neighbor. So the question I enclose with you all tonight So, how much are we like a good neighbor? How are we doing to hold the whole idea about Crossing our neighbors. I'll let, um, well, I'll just let Mr. Rogers maybe have the final word tonight. Here's my final quote. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is. Right here and right now. Lord, we're grateful for the day you've given to us and for your love and we praise you and we love you. We're grateful for you and we ask, oh God, that you continue to transcend our hearts that not only can we love you but also learn the power of loving our neighbor as ourselves. So thank you, Lord, for uh, continuing to show us the way. Give us the courage and the audacity and the boldness to be able to cross our neighbor's with love, respect, and dignity. In Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's children said, amen.